Thank you. This morning, I want to get into the message. I want to talk to you. I want to encourage us together this morning. Before we enter into our time of communion together, before we partake of the elements of communion, to keep on keeping on. To keep on keeping on. To continue to move forward in our relationship with Christ. To continue to move forward in whatever it is we're facing in life. Is anybody overwhelmed this morning? Is anybody just, you've experienced some stuff the last week, the last month, the last year, the last 40 years, that you're just at a point where you're like, how am I going to do it again this week? I want to encourage you, and I believe God's word encourages us to keep the faith, to keep moving forward, and to trust in God. In our world, we have trouble. Amen? Uh, There's some brokenness in our midst. There's some trouble in our midst. There are people who are experiencing disastrous realities in their life. There are broken relationships. There are financial needs. There are job needs. There are relationships with loved ones where we are just at our wits end on how it is we're going to continue on with life, with the relationship, with doing what we are supposed to do. And our world loves a rallying story. Nothing would please us more tonight because we couldn't care less about either team playing the Super Bowl. Amen? (laughs) Nothing would tickle me more than for one team to be up by 50 points and the other team to come back and win. Right? Uh, honestly, either, either way, go Chiefs, but I couldn't care less about who wins tonight. What would excite me would really be if one team is down by 50 points and somehow in the last 30 seconds <laughs> comes back to win it, right? Because we love the underdog story. We love the testimonies of people persevering, people pushing through whatever odds they are facing. And scripture is full of stories that remind us of God's ability. (laughs) The world is full of those stories where normally we would give up on something. I I want you to imagine in your mind's eye being a part of a gigantic crowd standing on the edge of a parking garage. And you're cheering for your team. You're a Texan, so you're probably just cheering for the air that day. I don't know. You're in Texas. You're on a parking garage, and you drop your hat from the top of a parking garage. And this is what happens. Watch this. hat back. Miracle of miracles took place in Texas last year. I don't know when that was. I love that video clip because it shows just how excited we are when something happens, especially the group effort of perseverance taking place and a win in our midst. I want you to hear firstly this morning, you are a part, if you're here this morning, 
you're a part of a cheering group on the edge of a parking garage that wants to see you get through whatever it is you're facing. Whatever it is that looks like a mountain in front of you that is impossible to climb, to tunnel through, to go around, whatever it is, whoever it is, wherever it is, we're on your team. We are here as the body of Christ to walk along with our brothers and sisters as we walk through life's stuff. And life has some stuff. Amen? God's word is very clear. I want to turn to Psalm uh, chapter 27 this morning. It's a psalm of David. And if you know the story of David, you know David faced some stuff. And I want to read the entire psalm. It's 14 verses this morning. But it's worth looking at the, the, the praises of David, even through whatever life was throwing his way, how he was able to take stock and knowledge in who was able to help him through, to keep on keeping on. Psalm 27, you can follow along on the screen. I would encourage you to follow along in the Bible app. We have an outline there for you as well. Psalm 27, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. God's Word says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and my foes attack, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I'm attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in His temple. For he will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in a sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Do not turn your back on me. Do not reject your servant in anger. You have always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me. O oh God of my salvation, even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Teach me how to live, O oh Lord. Lead me along the right path, for my enemies are waiting for me. Do not let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of things I've never done. With every breath they threaten me with violence. Verses 13 and 14 are especially powerful. Yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Bow your heads with me. Lord, again, I thank you for your word that is living and active in our midst. Thank you for words on a page that are not just words on a page but our life-altering. Lord, would you allow us the privilege of applying this truth to our reality today? Would your word become alive? Would we taste and see that you are good and you are able? Give us your strength in our moment of weakness, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. 
I want to look again specifically at verses 13 and 14. I think there's some powerful reminders on what it takes for us to keep on keeping on if we're to apply God's word to our lives. I want to give us three points from this two verses. Psalm 27, 13 and 14 again say, Yet I am confident I, I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living wait patiently for the Lord be brave and courageous yes wait patiently for the Lord the first thing I want you to write down if you're someone who's going to scribble on the back of your bulletin or on the back of the neck of the person in front of you scribble this down see God's present goodness See God's present goodness. Again, the New Living Translation translates Scripture this way in verse 13. Yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Again, King David, in this moment, we don't know exactly when this psalm was written, but he was facing something that allowed him to express how overwhelming his reality was. And yet in this verse... He took a pause, a time out, he stepped back, and he says he remains confident to know that he will see God's goodness in the moment. David is right here reminding you and me of the importance of perspective. A reminder that sometimes we need to blink a couple times, we need to call a time out, and we need to look at what's really going on around us. Every morning, I put my contacts in my eyes. I don't know if you wear contacts. But before I put my contacts in, I can see nothing. From the moment I take my glasses off and put them in the cabinet to the moment I get my contacts in, there's a time there where bad things could happen. (laughs) I could show up somewhere. And bad things could happen if it weren't for my contacts. And in those moments of my contacts adjusting and I'm blinking, there's something that takes place in that moment where I can see clearly and I am thankful for that moment. Likewise, in our life, oftentimes when we're facing the reality of the blurred mess of life, when things are overwhelming, when the job is not as it should be, when the relationships aren't lining up the way they should be, when the finances aren't in place, when the doctor's results aren't what we'd hoped for, when worry, when disappointment and even anger are the emotions of our core, what takes place in those moments oftentimes becomes a snowball effect where all we can continue to see is more and more of the same. If it starts small, often it continues to grow until it becomes the core of everything we focus on. And we are distracted from God's present goodness. Last week while we were away at the retreat, Dr. Steve Dunmire from Houghton College was our presenter. He was our pastor over the weekend. He spoke a number of times and one of the things he reminded uh, over 90 of us who were gathered in that hotel over the weekend is that two of the most powerful emotions of the human body are anger and awe. Anger and awe. Two of the most important, strongest emotions that we can experience. Anybody want to nudge someone and say, yeah, you got the anger one, right? (laughs) We experience those emotions. They're pretty real. We experience them. We know how they uh, represent themselves in our lives or maybe in the life of someone that we love. But what's beautiful about those two emotions is that awe wins every time. Likewise, in this reminder from Scripture, 
When we are overwhelmed, when we are experiencing the worry, the dismay, the uh, insurmountable odds, the, 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 the grotesque reality of, of our world, we can call an audible timeout and say, I want to get a perspective change. I want to see God at work in my reality. One of the quotes that Dr. Dunmire shared with us is from a 1800s English poet, Elizabeth Browning. She said this, wrote this, Earth's crammed with heaven, and every common bush afire with God, but only he who sees takes off his shoes. That's a lot more poetic than I'm used to or that I usually like. But I read something in those three stanzas, those three phrases that uh, overwhelm me at the reality of how often it has been that when I am at my breaking point, when I remember to call time out and seek God's present goodness, when I change my perspective and stop living in the worry of this world and look for God's present goodness, I can't help but be overwhelmed at his goodness. We talk about it kind of often here at Hyde Wesleyan Church that we don't have to look very far. We don't have to look around us very, uh, very long to remember how blessed we are. If you had running water this morning, they're blessed. If your car started this morning, you're blessed. If you woke up next to someone this morning, whether or not they had brushed their teeth yet, you're blessed. A little more laughter than I should have been. Someone's going to get in trouble. If you're sitting in your padded seat, you're blessed. If you're not out in the parking lot with two inches, 16 inches of snow. <laughs> Just kidding, it didn't happen. You're blessed. Seek after, look at God's present goodness. Can I tell you this? That what blesses me as a pastor is the times in which I, I'm visiting with someone or in relationship with someone who gets this better than me. Literally, someone who has uh, uh, faced difficulty in ways that I haven't experienced in my own life yet. Maybe an illness, maybe a diagnosis, maybe a broken relationship that is tragically ruining everything around them. And they know to look beyond their present reality of the mountain in front of them and they choose instead to say, my God is greater. My God is able. I love those testimonies of God's faithful. If we don't take time to realize God's present goodness, there's a chance, not just a chance, it's likely that the mountain that we're facing, that the roadblock that's in our path will be the only thing we focus on. It will be the thing that we talk about all the time. It will be the thing that we focus on all the time. It will be the thing that the enemy uses to distract us from God's grace, God's ability, God's strength. This is why David says he remembers to remain confident in seeing God's goodness in this present life. David gets it. Despite the rough patches, if you and I, like David, are willing to take a step back, pause for a second, change our perspective, blink our contacts back into alignment, we can see God's goodness all around us. And let me tell you, God is good. 
James says it this way in the New Testament. James chapter 1, verse 16. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in heaven. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us His true word. And we, get this, we out of all creation image bearers, we out of all creation became His prized possession. You are a prized possession. You are valuable. Every time you're faced with the temptation to give up, to throw in the towel at one or more of life's obstacles, get a change of perspective. Change your perspective. Close your eyes and open them again to the fresh reality that God is good. Second, write it down. Submit to God's timing. Verse 14 says it again. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. And then David repeats himself. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. If you've studied the Bible, if you've been a part of church for very long, you know that Scripture often uh, points to these uh, word games where things are repeated for a purpose of reminding us, of adding exclamation points to powerful truths of God's ability. And we've heard this truth so overwhelmingly many times that sometimes we let it go. Ever notice that? Sometimes you've heard something so many times that you just kind of, lo- it loses its, its, its muster. It loses its shininess because you've had it for so long. You've heard this reminder to be patient before the Lord. Can I remind you that being patient and waiting for the Lord in our life is not just like pushing the snooze button on Sunday morning. I got to tell first service, I don't know how this happened, but I didn't push the snooze button this morning. Come on. And it, you don't know me enough yet. That was a huge win for me. We push the snooze button because we want a couple extra minutes, right? Waiting for the Lord is not just pushing the snooze button and hoping that by doing so, we're giving God an extra five minutes to enact change that we want Him to do. Pushing the snooze button is not just us saying, hey, uh, God, you got five more minutes and I need you to destroy my neighbor. Are my neighbors? No, my neighbors aren't here. Good. I didn't say that in first service. I... Waiting for the Lord is much more deep than that. As we look in the scriptures, as we look at the, uh, the, the, the language used in God's word, waiting, a word study of the idea of waiting that's throughout scripture, this reminder of being patient before the Lord gives us this huge depth of understanding of what it truly means to wait for the Lord. Waiting for the Lord is not just us getting our way with a little bit more time for God to do what we think he should do. Waiting... Waiting, yes, it means a passage of time, whether it's five minutes, five days, five years, some of us, 50 years maybe. Waiting, waiting means being confident in our expectation. It means to have faith that God's going to do what God's going to do. And it means believing that God can do the impossible. Waiting means uh, uh, having an expectation based on a previous experience. Uh, this is why it's so beautiful in our small group settings how often we, we share stories of how God has come through in powerful ways. And what that does to the body of Christ, what that does to our neighbors, and as we testify about what God has done in our life as we've waited for Him. 
shows God's perfect timing. Waiting involves seeking the Lord. It's not just sitting around twiddling our thumbs. It means literally coming before Him and in communion with the God who created you. Waiting involves taking action at the right time. When, when, when God does uh, allow us to have a breakthrough or to have a miracle in our life, it, it means for us to acknowledge, hey, that's, that's God showing me the way around. That's God giving me this, this opportunity. It means to acknowledge that God's hand is God's hand, even when it doesn't look exactly like I told God I wanted it to look like. Yeah, I don't know if you're guilty like your pastor is of praying, praying prayers about things that I think God should do. Giving God my plans in my prayer time. Telling God how it would sure be nice if you'd follow this, this plan. I did a lot of work for you. Here's what you could do. Just make it happen. Waiting involves knowing that God is God and I'm not. Waiting involves resting in God's timing. Again, resting is not stressing. I asked first service for someone to text that to me and nobody did. But resting is not stressing. Resting in, in God's provisions, in God's ability, is not permission to worry. We are so prone to it. We are so prone to it. Taking matters into our own hands of wondering if God's really listening to us, of wondering if God's really going to do anything in the moment. Waiting involves learning to be content with God's provisions and timing. As we, no doubt, face the temptation to give up, to throw in the towel, to turn the other way, to run away, to take the first exit ramp we can find, we must see God's present goodness and we must submit to His timing. And third, David reminds this as he writes, Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart. I want to say it this way, be courageous in the face of the unknown. Be courageous in the face of the unknown. How many more reminders do we need to be strong and courageous? To not fear how many more times until we're willing to get out of the way and trust God that He will provide? Not just in passive ways, but in optimistic, on-the-offense ways. Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, and he says this, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. That's one of those famous church verses that we write on stuff. We write it upon our hearts, hopefully, but we need to take it for what it really means. Fear that makes us timid and powerless is not from the Spirit of God. Rather, what God offers us is power, love, and self-discipline the resources necessary to face this world's coming troubles. And this world has its troubles. This world has its mountains. This world has its illnesses, diseases, brokenness, impossibilities, in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy chapter 31, we find the story of Moses trying to encourage the children of Israel this way in verse, verse 6. I want to read it from the English Standard Version. 
Moses says these words, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. They were facing an army in this moment. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Again, verses we write upon our hearts. We try to memorize them. We speak them aloud. Be strong, be courageous, Moses is saying. And God is repeating the same to you and to me. He's willing He's willing to walk alongside you. He is willing to be along with you for the road through the mountain, over the mountain, around the mountain, whatever it is, whatever the dark valley you are facing. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, He, as our shepherd, is with us. We do not have to face any of life's burdens or brokenness or battles alone. Be encouraged to keep on keeping on. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. Don't run away. The Lord your God is with you. As you apply that truth to your life, as you are personally tempted to figure things out on your own or to give up, to walk away, please hear Take a pause. Look at God's goodness. See that life isn't isn't just the brokenness. God is good. Submit to His timing and be courageous. Be strong. Be brave. Be fearless. Not because it comes natural, but because He enables you I say it often from this platform that I don't know every story in this room. There are some that I know, some that have shared certain things with me as your pastor, with us as your pastoral team. And I hope you know we're praying for you, we're cheering you along, we're, we're on that parking garage with you, trying to get your hat back. There's some stories that I don't know. There's stuff going on in our midst of Things that maybe sometimes we only know the tip of the iceberg, right? There's real life stuff happening in a congregation like ours. And I want you to know you're on a team of people who are willing, who are willing to walk with you through it. And maybe you're not ready. Maybe you're not ready to ask for help. Maybe you're not ready to call for assistance I want you to know the person who knows more than any other human being could ever know is your creator God and he offers right here right now to be with you through whatever it is likewise each of us is in contact with people every single week that have a story all their own they're facing whatever we don't know we see them on the surface level. We interact with them on some level. And we don't know what they're facing at home. We don't know what they go home to necessarily. We don't know whatever it is they are facing. But I want you to hear this morning, just like this message from God's Word comes through your pastor, you also can share this message of hope with someone who is hopeless this week. We are ambassadors of hope as we talk about here at Hyde. We have this hope because God has enabled us to have it. How foolish of us if we were just to keep it to ourselves.
Yeah? It's almost like, I don't know, hiding a light under a bushel. If you've been around, you know what that means. Let's not do it. Share the hope. The world is in desperate need of hope. Jesus is the answer. We're going to wind down our time of worship together this morning by partaking of the elements of communion. The sacrament of the church is a beautiful reminder, really, of what it means as the church of Jesus Christ to keep on keeping on. We're following a command of Christ as he uh, illustrated this very thing with his disciples in an upper room. As he reminded them to every time they gather for this sacrament to remember him remember his sacrifice to be filled again with the grace that is offered through Jesus Christ and so this morning you are invited to be a part of keeping on keeping on as the church of Christ for just a moment I'd ask for you to be still before the Lord for just these few moments and allow the scripture to ring true again in your heart Hear God's word from 1 Corinthians chapter 11 as we prepare for communion. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and he said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, Jesus took the cup of wine after supper and he said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this as you do in remembrance of me as often as you drink of it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who drinks or eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Verse 28 from 1 Corinthians 11. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. Before we participate in this beautiful picture of remembering the sacrifice of our Lord, I invite you to pause for a moment, ask the Lord to be your hope, your stay, renew your covenant before God with relationship through Jesus Christ. Here's your invitation. You who are walking in fellowship with God and are in love and harmony with your neighbor, truly and earnestly repenting of your sin and intended to lead a new life, following the commandments of God and walking from this time in His holy way, draw near today by faith and receive this holy sacrament to your comfort. And humbly make your confession to Almighty God. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ this morning, if you have surrendered your life to Him, we invite you to participate in the receiving of communion. The elements that we have together this morning are grape juice and a wafer of bread. And we invite you to receive these elements as representation of the broken body of Christ and of His blood. They're symbols this morning used to represent profound truths. So I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to invite you to participate, to come down these outside center aisles here, line up. We'll have two stations on either side, and we invite you 
to come and receive grace again, to know God's presence in your life through the hope and holiness of Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, we thank you for these images, the wonderful picture of your body and your blood, broken, spilled out for us. We ask you, Lord, in these moments to do a work, to remind us to see your present goodness even in this moment. May this be a holy moment for us to pause from the realities around us that are so often overwhelming and rather look at the true reality of your goodness available right here, right now. Thank you for grace. Thank you for your church. Would you fill us again in this moment, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.